give it up for Pastor Jimmy and his team for what they do for our children. We love our babies around here. We love our kids. They spill stuff and break stuff and we need paint and a lot of cleaning liquids and stuff. But I would rather have a church that's messed up full of kids than a museum with no kids. Amen, amen. We love our kids here. You keep bringing them and they're going to grow up to love the Lord as they walk under Pastor Jimmy's leadership and his team's leadership. And let me tell you that we always have uh, needs for leadership in kids' church. There's never a time when you would say, Pastor Jimmy, I want to volunteer for kids' church, that he would go, we got all we need. Uh, He's going to say, absolutely. And as the church grows, that grows. And as that ministry grows, we need more people to get in and help us. So please, uh, step up even today. Go by the Connect Center and say, I want to volunteer to help in Kids Church. And if you can help once a month or twice a month or whatever, we'll, we'll take whatever we can get. We want to make sure that all our kids get the proper attention and teaching that they need. Can you also give a big hand to Isaiah Strozier? Wasn't that awesome, Isaiah, uh, bringing us that poem today? The Strozier family's been a great blessing to our church. We love them and appreciate so much the impact they've had on our church family. Um, Let's go to the Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. I'm going to share with you a very quick message, and at the end I want to talk to you a little bit about the future of our church and um, some things that we're going to need to do to make sure we keep reaching people for Jesus, because that's what we're all about, isn't it? Reaching people for Christ. And sometimes that requires change. We never change the message. The message remains the same, but our methods do change so we can be more effective in reaching people. I am getting over uh, what I refer to as the heebie-jeebies. And I am on the good side, but I appreciate uh, you allowing me to pause a little more often today and uh, clear my throat. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. You will be made rich in every way. Is everybody okay with this verse so far? You, be, you will be made rich in every way so that there's a reason for God's blessing. When God blesses you and gives you stuff and gives you extra stuff you don't really need, he does it so that, so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in what? Thanksgiving to God. I think we often fail to realize the benefits um, that will come to us if we possess a grateful heart. I want to talk to you today about seven observations that I've noticed through my time in the ministry of people who are grateful, people who are thankful. A lot of times, I believe Christians and those who are not yet Christians, maybe investigating the things of God, have a misconception. Um, We think that when God says, thou shalt, and when God says, thou shalt not, that he's showing us he's the boss. He's showing us he's in control. He's showing us he runs things. Hear me on this. Hear me on what I'm about to say. Every command of God, every command of God 
is for your benefit. Read the Ten Commandments if you want to start there. Every Ten Commandment, every time in the Bible God says do this and don't do this, it is for your benefit. It isn't just to show you he's in charge. God is not a, a control freak. God is not uh, into, you know, just showing you he can run your life and make you do this and, and make you not do this. That, that isn't what God's about. Every time God says don't, every, God, every time God says do, it's for your benefit. So when he says be thankful, when he says have a thankful heart, the reason he says that is because, well, there are a lot of reasons he says it, but one of the reasons he says it is because you're the one who's going to get blessed by obeying that. If you obey that, you will be blessed. And so we're going to look at these seven benefits that come to those who focus on the God-given blessings in their life rather than always focusing on the negative issues of life that we all face. It is easier our human nature uh, is bent toward finding fault. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, that sin nature, part of it was that we want to complain. We want to find fault. We want to find the negative. We want to see the bad. We want to see the negative stuff in our life. And what I'm going to do today in this little bit of time that I have is try to get you to understand that if you will seek the help of God in turning your heart so that you see the blessings of God above the negative things. Now, I'm not going to stand up here and preach there are no negatives because the moment I would say that, you would say, that man is a liar. And I would be, because we all have negatives. Let me ask you something. You ever feel like as soon as one negative is over, there's another negative in life? You ever feel like that? Hey, join the club. The enemy will come to you and tell you you're the only one that's happening to. You're not. We all deal with that. We all deal with that. Matter of fact, Sometimes you have a negative, and before it's over, you got one on top of it. Amen? Y'all know what I'm talking about? You know? And, and so that is life. That is life. And i got to tell you something, guys. One of the reasons that we feel pain and one of the reasons that we feel suffering, as a matter of fact, I'll go far enough to say that the main reason we suffer and the main reason we go through negative stuff is not because we've disobeyed and because God's getting us back for disobeying. We go through negative things so we realize on a consistent basis and on a regular basis that we need God. See, the worst thing God could have done would have been after the sin in the Garden of Eden to left things like they were. Because you would never have thought you needed God. Life would have been wonderful as it had been before sin, yet now, because of sin, we're lost. So the only way we're going to recognize that we need a Savior and that we're in a lost condition that is cut off from God is that we see pain. We see suffering. We see things around us. That, that cause us to uh, have concern and that cause us to, to, to suffer. And so when that happens, that is nothing in the world but God reminding you that you desperately need him. You desperately need him. See, you don't want to stand before God at the end 
And because everything in your life was so perfect, you never prayed, you never sought him, you never thought you needed him. It is better to feel some pain now and realize that you need God and seek him into your life so that on the last day when you stand before him, you say, God, thank you for reminding me every day that I needed you and so I I served you and I lived for you and I asked you to come into my life and he will look at you and say, well done, enter in. So that's why we have pain. People often ask me, why do good people suffer? I had the privilege of going not long ago to one of our local high schools and speaking to some Kids, and um, uh, before I went, they said, uh, what do you want Pastor Farrell to talk about? And they said, we want to know why good people suffer. And that's why. That's why good people suffer. So we will know that something is wrong in this world. And what is wrong is sin. And we need a Savior. So when you go through pain, say, thank you, Lord, for reminding me that I need you above all things. You gotta be mature to say that. You gotta be mature to pray that. But that is why we see suffering all around us. Uh, so we wanna talk about cultivating a thankful heart because let me tell you, it's not natural for you to be thankful. That's not natural. What's natural is for you to find fault. That's why it's so easy. That's why Dr. Adrian Rogers, one of my favorite preachers who's in heaven now, used to say it doesn't take much size to criticize. Anybody can do it. It takes somebody who's determined. It takes somebody who goes against the current, who goes against the flow of their own human nature and this world we live in and decides I'm going to cultivate in my life thanksgiving no matter what's going on in my life. I'm going to see the hand of God. No matter what's going on in my life, no matter how dark, no matter how terrible it is, I'm going to seek God and come to a place in my relationship with him that no matter how bad it gets, I'm able to see his hand. I'm able to see his blessing. Now, this isn't for uh, beginners today. This is for people who are serious about being what God wants them to be. Let me give you seven reasons you need to be grateful. Number one, being grateful shows. It shows. When you're grateful, people see it. You don't have to go around going, hey, I'm grateful. Full Thanksgiving and turkey, you know. Um, Did y'all have some good food? Oh, man. I just filled my plate up and then covered it in gravy. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But when you're grateful, it shows. It shows on your face. It shows in your words. It shows in your smile. It shows in your actions. It shows... You know what I think? I think people that are grateful actually walk a little straighter. They walk a little taller, people who are always being thankful. And sometimes it's hard to be thankful. Matter of fact, I've had people actually say to me, I can't think anything to be thankful for. Guess at it. You'll probably nail it the first time. The second thing I want you to notice is that being grateful takes the focus off of you and puts it on others, and God likes that. 
Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? You would have thought he said, there's not a greatest commandment. They're all equal. He didn't say that. He said, the greatest commandment is that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your spirit, everything that's in you. With all of your capacity as a human to love, love your God. Then he said, the second commandment is like unto the first one. That you love your neighbor as yourself. The Bible asks the question, how can you say you love a God who you have never seen when you can't even love the people you see every day? That's pretty straight up right there, isn't it? Love your neighbor as yourself. A thankful heart. See, as you, and and listen to me, a thankful heart, again, you gotta work on, it's gotta be cultivated. You cultivate a thankful heart. I mean, if you wanted to say as this new year approaches, if you wanted to just kind of focus in on one area of your life that you wanted to develop, I think God would be very pleased if you said, I just want want a thankful heart. I want to be more thankful this year. And then you bought books and you did studies and you you sought God and you prayed more and, and you worked. At the end of the year, incredible things will have come into your life because you decided to work that garden. See, Thanksgiving is like a garden. A thankful heart is like a garden. It doesn't come naturally. You're not going to wake up one morning, look out your window and go, man, look at all the butter beans. Where, how did that happen? It doesn't just happen. You got to work it. You got to work it. So when you do that, it makes you less about yourself and more about others. And when you become, listen to this, when you become less about yourself and more about others, you're more like God. And that's the whole point. That's the whole point of your existence. That is all God is doing in your life. He is trying to get you to be more like him. And one of the ways you can be more like him is to develop a heart of thanksgiving. The third thing is being grateful reduces stress. Anybody up for some of that? Man. Reduce the stress. Hallelujah. Listen, being mindful of your blessings rather than complaining and seeing the dark side all the time, being mindful of your blessings brings peace in your life. When you're always looking at the negative, and there's always some negative to look at. And I know people that when there isn't something negative to look at, they start worrying about negative stuff that could happen. That's called worry, where you reach into tomorrow and pull those troubles into today. When you don't even know if they're going to happen yet. Worry is the opposite of faith. But when you're mindful of your blessings, it causes you to be at peace. When you're more at peace, you're less stressed. Grateful people, that is people who have an understanding of how blessed they are, are people that are peaceful. And if you're a person who peaceful people aggravate you, I can't stand him. He's always smiling. I thought, knock that smile off his face. You're the one who needs the help. Amen, amen? Amen. 
Because when you run into somebody who's decided that they're going to see the hand of God rather than the problem, they're going to always be smiling and they're going to always be at peace. And those of you who have decided to see the negative, you're going to scamming, ragging, snagging. I mean, you're, you know, you're not going to like them. So I know some people out there right now are evaluating themselves and going, hmm, I think I might be like that a little bit. Anybody want to raise her? No, let's don't do that. <laughs> see, some of you daddies out there. Because see, in men, there is this nature to, to, to exceed. And there is this nature in men to, to be the hero and the breadwinner. And da-da-da. You know, we come in every day. We like to have a cape on and <laughs> big S. You know, stupid. But we... <laughs> I think I saw women clapping. Um, but but here, so when we don't exceed, when business is down, when sales are down, when customers are complaining, when the boss gets on us and won't get off because he's under pressure too, what we do, even though we're Christian men, a lot of times is we bring that home and we bring hell into our house. And our children dread to see us. And our wives love us and would die for us, but they get nervous as the time approaches when daddy comes home. Come on, guys. Come on. See the hand of God in your life. Pull your kids around and pull your wife up close and say, listen, times are tough and we might not be able to have some things we had last month or the month before, but let me tell you how God blesses and teach them about missions and show them other nations how those countries live and tell them how they need to be thankful. Are y'all out there? Let's show a little spiritual leadership in our house. Kids already are scared and have questions and women, our wives, they're scared because one of the main things for a woman is a sense of security and when she knows you're upset and you're angry because you're not making as much money as you were and times are hard and all of that's going on and you walk in the house and you're just hard to live with, come on, man. Bring your family around. Become a, be their pastor. Be their pastor and call your wife in and weep a few tears and say, you know what, we, we don't have what we used to, but God's still on the throne and look what we do have. And let's, let's go around the table and talk about what we still have and what God's blessed us with. And let's focus on it. Are y'all, y'all getting this? And let's focus on our blessing. Let's have a thankful heart. Some of you men wonder why your marriage isn't, you know, what it ought to be and why she's not more affectionate toward you. It's hard to hug a porcupine. <laughs> your family's happier. Your children. I know I'm hard on men. I are one. <laughs> Let me tell you something, guys. You set the tone in your house. Don't come in the house moaning and griping about things, you set the tone. 
You set the tone, sir, of whether your house is a joyful place to be or not. You set that, that atmosphere. If you want your family to be happier, then you come home happy. Honey, how was it? Oh, it wasn't a good day at all, but I tell you what, God's on the throne, lives in my heart, my sins are forgiven. If I died right now, I'd go to heaven. You know, talk about the blessings of God. Your children will be less stressed. They'll be more productive. Anybody up for productive children? More cooperative. How about cooperative children? Being thankful drastically lowers the stress in your life and lowers the worry. I promise you, I promise you that no matter how bad things are in your life, there's more good. There's more good. See it. I wrote this down. When you're grateful, you can't be hateful. So if you're hateful, don't come around telling me how grateful you are. Amen, amen? It's kind of like a funeral home in here today. Y'all all right? <laughs> Number four, being grateful attracts the right kind of people. See, when you're all down in the mouth and whiny and belly aching and always talking about what you don't have, that's the kind of people you attract. They come out of the corners and come out from under stuff. And they'll help you. you. You can talk about trouble. Don't you love when you talk about trouble, somebody goes, you think, I, you think you got troubles. I got bigger troubles than you. That's like they're happy about it. <laughs> you attract people who want to better their lives if you've got a thankful heart. People who want to turn their life around, they'll go, I want to be around that guy, man. No matter what his family faces, no matter what he goes through, man, no matter what that woman goes through or that teenager, no matter what they go through, man, they're always seeing the positive side. I want to be around them. And then there are going to be people who don't like you because you're thankful. Because they like to go to parties, but they're pity parties. They like to go to pity parties. And they don't like you because you won't party with them. You won't gossip and slander and your heart isn't filled with evil intent. You're not sour. You ever met a sour Christian? Look like they got baptized in vinegar. Miserable. You know the best advertisement for this church? You joyful. Best advertisement. We can buy a million dollars worth of ads this year to advertise our church. Nothing will attract more people to our church than you, joyful. Joy is the flag that is flown from the castle of the heart when the king is on the throne. The reason a lot of people don't have joy is because the king isn't on the throne. But when the king is on the throne of your heart, joy is the flag that is flown. Number five. Being grateful makes you a giver, not a taker. You can't be grateful and stingy. You can't be stingy and grateful. When you're able to recognize and be thankful for your blessings, you want others to be blessed too. People who don't want others blessed are unthankful people. Unthankful. That's why we pray for other churches. They are us. We are them. We're not McDonald's and the church down the street is Hardee's. We're all together. We're all a franchise in the same franchise. We want each other to succeed. 
And if you don't want others to succeed, the Bible says if you have real love in your heart that you rejoice in good reports. You rejoice when you hear good things about people and uh, uh, over in uh, Paul's writings, he said, think on these things. And then he lists a bunch of things that a Christian ought to be thinking about. And one of them is, uh, think on things that are of a good report. Isn't that good? So be a giver. Be grateful to make you a giver. Grateful people are constantly giving, being generous. Number six, being grateful makes you more creative. And I really don't know how to explain this one. I really didn't know what to put down there on this one, but I knew this was true. It just seems to me that people who are thankful, people who are full of thanksgiving, people who see the blessing of God in their life, people who see the hand of God, oh, they know there's negative stuff, they know there's bad stuff in their life, but they just don't focus on that. They say, oh, I know that's going on, but look what God's doing over here. People like that. It's like those people are, are in a flow of the Spirit of God that God is able to give them solutions to the negative stuff because they're always thankful for the good stuff. Am I making any sense right there? You know what I believe? I believe thankful people write the best books. I believe thankful people paint the most beautiful paintings. I believe thankful people compose the most beautiful music. See, when you're thankful, you're like God, you're being like God, and so you're, you're, you're connected more intimately with God. So when the dark times do come along, you more readily, more quickly think of ideas and ways to, to overcome those things. But when you're always bellyaching and whining and complaining and seeing the dark side of things, you're so far from God because what you're doing when you're like that is you're keeping God at arm's length and God's trying to give you solutions and wants to help you, but you're not listening to him because you've, gone to this pity party and you're just staying there. Can I preach like this? Is this all right? But when you are thankful for the smallest things and when you're appreciative to God, even in the darkest hour, then comes flowing into you ideas and plans and strategies and, and solutions for the bad stuff. That's good preaching right there. Number seven. And there are only seven. Are y'all excited? Number seven. Bring, being grateful builds strong reserves. Let me tell you what happens when you're grateful. When you're grateful, it not only brings in creativity, but it also brings in a faith for the dark time. I mean, if you're already down and, and you're already, you know, in the valley of criticism and doubt and fear and complaints and you're already there, when the dark time comes, when an unexpected negative report comes, I mean, you're already down there. You just, it's like somebody stepped on your neck. But when you're thankful, when you walk in thanksgiving, when that dark time comes, you've got this reserve built up that you can look that thing dead in the eye and say, yeah, I don't like that and it hurts and I'm weeping and I'm going through a tough time right now. But because I've been thankful, I've got this strength, I've got this faith, I've got this confidence that I wouldn't otherwise have. And so therefore, I've got this connection to God I wouldn't otherwise have. So therefore, what looked impossible now doesn't look impossible to me. And so I begin to come against it in prayer. And I begin to, uh, you know, sometimes some of you people need to talk to the enemy. We talk to God. Sometimes we need to look the enemy dead in the eye and say, you know what? You can't have any more space around here. 
I mean, when Nehemiah was building the wall, Samballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, the three stooges of the Bible, you ought to read that, it's an excellent story, they come and tell him what he can't do, and he looks at them and goes, you have no place here. You have, your words mean nothing here. We need to tell the enemy that in our home. We need to take a stand and see if you're not walking in thanksgiving, you're not gonna have that courage, you're not gonna have that confidence. So guys, walk in thanksgiving. You know, I think it would be really cool if a bunch of you right here today said, you know what? This new year, that's what I'm going to work on in my life is developing that Thanksgiving heart. Amen? Let me tell you, we're going to talk about our church a little bit today. We got a lot to be thankful for, don't we? I mean, our church is growing. Our church is growing. But can I tell you that growth means challenges. We, um, we started a third service because we didn't want people to walk in and not find a seat. We wanted them to be able to find a seat because let me tell you all what's happening and I need you to pray with this, pray about this with me. We've actually had people who have walked in, especially in this service, who have walked in and looked and they couldn't find a seat and they turned and left. Now, what if that was somebody who was saying, I'm going to give church one more try. I'm going to give God one more try. I'm going to give the Bible one more try. And they went, got my answer. Got my answer. I gave it a try. No, You know, I just think about stuff like that. And see, I'm not here at Whitley Church, and I've been here 20 years, but I'm not here to build a club for Christians. This is a hospital for broken people. Now, listen, I'm hearing the amens out there because we got to change. We got to do some things different. Now, Jim Gillikin, our administrator, and some other guys have come up with a beautiful plan to to expand our facility here. But guys, listen, it's going to take two years going to take two years to, to get that extra room. So what are we going to do? Are we going to look at the next two years and look at people and go, sorry, uh, we got all we can have right now, you know? No, we can't do that. So we've been praying, God, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Because when we started the third service, it was our hope and prayer that people would gravitate to that service. Some of you guys would come to the third service. Some of the people in the second service, uh, early service would also come at the 12 o'clock service and open up some seating here. And I'm not getting on your case. I probably would be just like you. You know, I'd want to be here when it's comfortable for me and my family. I understand that. But we got to do something. And we got to be willing to maybe step outside of our comfort zone just a little bit for a temporary time as a temporary solution to open up some seating. Now we've thought and thought and prayed and prayed and talked and talked and talked about what to do. The third service has not worked for us. I love the third service. It's wonderful. I love all the people who come. But it hasn't done uh, what we created it to do. And I think one of the reasons is 312, 312, 412, 312 is for our younger, no, 412, uh, we, we um, have that during this service. I know a lot of the kids, your kids love to be a part of that. And we also have the choir. And uh, so here's what we're thinking. 
Now, this is out of the box thinking. And I don't want you to tell me if you're again it or fur it. All right? I just want you to pray with me. Those of you from up north, we'll explain what that means later. Well, but I, I don't want you to say, well, I'm against that or I'm for it. You, you really can't say that. You really can't say this morning if you're for or against this idea I'm about to throw out because you haven't even prayed about it. Okay? <laughs> but what we're thinking about doing, possibly, is moving the Saturday night service from the bridge in Goldsboro to here hoping that you all will say, you know what, for a while, I can come on Saturday night, we'll have the choir, or we'll have great uh, special music, we'll have things like um, Isaiah, we'll have our mime team, and we'll have 412, we'll have 412, and uh, I don't know how Josh is going to do it, but he and I are going to meet, and he is going to do it, so, um, isn't Josh awesome? And uh, so, guys, um, that's kind of what we're just thinking about. Now, I've got to tell you something. We don't know if this is God or not. It's like Pastor Jimmy tells us in staff meetings. Pastor Jimmy will go, I've got a great idea, but I don't know if it's God or gas. I'm not sure. <laughs> so that's kind of how we feel about this. Let me tell you, I respect you so much. I want to hear from you. My, my email is feral at willychurch.com. Email me your thoughts, your ideas. Um, some of you have mentioned Sunday night, making Sunday night a third service. But I got to tell you uh, that, and we've talked about that in major detail, that would be so taxing on our volunteers when they leave to have to then come back and, and do so. And I, and I got to tell you something else, guys. Sunday night, we got to protect the family. The family's got to have some time and Sunday night, it was what I'm hearing from families, is that's our time to be together as a family. We're already having a Saturday night service, so it wouldn't really change other than we would move it here so that some of you might say, you know what, for a while I can do that to open up seating in the other services. So that's all I ask you to do is pray about it. Now here's what we're going to do. Tuesday, the staff is going to start fasting at noon and praying, because we're, we're kind of like Jehoshaphat over there in Second Chronicles chapter 20, when Jehoshaphat looked up and said, Lord, we don't know what to do. Our eyes are on you. And so, and so that's what we want to ask you to do. Fast with us. If you don't know about fasting, um, you know, if you'll email me and say, Pastor, if you can tell me a little bit more about fasting, I'll shoot you some information. It's very simple. You're just giving up something as a sacrifice to God um, that you might hear from him. Um, when we fast, it shows how serious we are about the thing we're praying about. So we're going to fast and pray. The staff is from noon Tuesday until our dinner, our dinner meal, our late meal on Wednesday. So it'll be really over 24 hours. Now, if you're not used to fasting or you have physical things, you don't have to worry about that. Just fast from television or just fast from something that's really important to you. Just put that aside for 24 hours and just pray. And let's say, God, uh, what do you want us to do? Because you know what? It's in my church. It's his. And I could stand up here and say, uh, being the genius I am, this is what we're going to do. But if I was sitting out there, I'd resent that a little bit. 
I need to hear from you. God needs to hear from us. And God has an answer. He knows what to do. Now, let me tell you something. I'll take these problems any day because they're good problems. Good problems. I mean, I could be standing up here going, uh, do y'all know how we can rent half the church because we don't really need all of it, you know? That's a whole nother problem that I don't want. Our problem is we need more room, more space because, listen, God's hand is on us. God's hand is on us. So will you help me pray? Will you help me pray? And um, let's be thankful. Let's work on that thankful heart. Let's get up out of that pit of criticism and complaining and let's see God's hand in our life. Amen, amen. Thank you, Father, for this time today, for these wonderful people who have come and listened to the heart of their pastor. We give you all the glory and the praise for what you're doing in our church, the lives that are being changed, the reports literally that are coming in weekly of how their life has been changed in this church. God, it belongs to you. Doesn't belong to Farrell, doesn't belong to the staff, doesn't belong to the deacons, doesn't belong to the members. This is your church. So we pray with our elder brother Jesus when he said, not our will, but thine be done. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? God bless you guys. I love you. Hey, listen, go back there and pick up your gift if you're one of our guests. Don't forget to get tags off the display for the toys. Sign up for the different stuff coming up. Thanks for coming to Whitley. God bless you.